Welcome to another episode of Adoption, The Making of Me. I'm Louise Brown. And I'm Sarah Reinhardt. Make sure to find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Adoption, The Making of Me podcast. Also, we have a Patreon page if you want to support us as we continue telling these important stories. You can find that at patreon.com and search adoption colon the making of me. Again, that's patreon.com search adoption colon the making of me. And please remember to subscribe, share and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Hi. So today we're discussing chapter seven of the primal wound and Nancy Barrier, giving another shout out to the author who's amazing. Which we were remiss in doing for the first <laughs> couple of podcasts. <laughs> Sorry, Nancy, we want you to come on. So chapter seven, this is a big one. Here we go. The title is Issues of Rejection, Trust, Intimacy, and Loyalty. Issues, I, the first word. I, and Sarah's going to start us off. <laughs> I truly felt like I related to 98.9% of this. Uh, <laughs> and it just out the gate, that first quote by an adoptee, there's a deep yearning inside of me to have a lasting and meaningful relationship with someone. But it scares me because if you let yourself get too close, you can't trust that you won't be abandoned again. That fear of rejection, the way I take care of this is to reject another person first. They never have a chance. Oh, which we've talked about let's just close the book we're done (laughs) (laughs) enough said oh my goodness we have talked about it but and it's it's just what struck you about that sarah (laughs) i still feel that fear rising up when i start to feel like maybe i'll have feelings for somebody new you know it's it still terrifies me and There's so much about it and we don't have to go, you know, because we can jump around. But the thing about feeling deeply inside that you're a bad person, I, for many years, just thought it was because the Lutherans, yeah, that every thought I had, God heard. So therefore, I'm bad. That helped. By the way, that helped. That <laughs> <laughs> just was like adding on to my, you know. But anyway, yeah. Well, what about you? Well, I mean, just how you read that quote, it hit me again, just you reading it out loud and me not reading it to myself. I'm like, okay, so most issues I've ever had, and it talks about, this is really about relationships. There's a quote in here. When adult adoptees come in for psychotherapy, the usual presenting problem is difficulties in relationships. It's rare for an adoptee to come in and say, I want to work on my adoption issues because we don't know we have these issues. When that does happen, it's usually after they've been in treatment for years. Then the conversation goes something like, well, I've worked on everything else. I guess I have to finally admit that my adoption might have to do with something that's going on. That was big for me because every relationship I've had, I've pushed someone away, whether or not they broke up first or I did. I'm ultimately someone who's pushing them away the minute I sense something turning or rejection or we have long distance or there's a fear. And my ex-husband used to say that we were in a war and he didn't know I was in a war and he didn't even know what battle we were in. Like he didn't know (laughs) that there was even a battle going on. And I'm like, oh, you're pushing me away. Forget it. I'm done with you. You know, this kind of thing. And it took a lot of time and therapy to like really discuss this. And it started to come out in my marital counseling of like, oh, I have abandonment issues. I have these adoption issues, which now I'm married again. And my husband's very 
loving to me about that because he sees me. If something happens, I'll be like, well, we don't have to be married. I mean, I'm fine right. on my own. That's the first <laughs> thing I say, which is like, we have this great relationship and I'll pull that out. And it's just, it's very- I know, it's the go-to thing. One thing that really- jumped out at me and I wrote his name next to to the and I won't bring his name up but yeah the person that we spent many years on the ice cream truck yes. talking about yes it says you know if adoptees have not completely withdrawn emotionally this is the phenomenon they describe upon significant or temporary separations this panic and fear have nothing to do with the present circumstances as difficult it may be Rather, it has to do with the triggering of archaic memory traces of the original abandonment and this life-threatening experience. So it made me think of like, I remember one time just sobbing and sobbing over some imagined thing he had done. And and my friend Sarah Walker thanked me, this has to be deeper than this moment. And oh, it really yeah. was like one of the first, not first, but it was like that moment was my path to recovering and becoming a Someone Bad, said yeah. the right thing at the right time where the bell went, oh, wait a second, I have, there's something else being triggered here. This is not just a normal reaction for this. Yes, yes. I kind of remember that's actually all this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I mean, you, had a, you had an earful for, me, <laughs> for many years on the truck to you. Well, and that's what we do. We help each other. This is a community, isn't it? I mean, this is the whole thing. And it's like, it got into this um the trust and intimacy, because intimacy has always been a big thing for me too. Like I'll, I'll be very intimate and close to my friends mm -hmm. and intimate. When I'm first with a relationship, I can be very intimate. Like it's the wooing stage. Everybody goes through this. This isn't yes. just stop to people, but then I'll do the whole like intimacy. Like, Oh, you can only know me to a point. Like, I'm not really going to show you my whole self thing. And I really didn't know I was like that. I always thought, no, I'm open and loving. I don't, and every person I was ever with, just relationship or even close friends would tell me, you know, you have this issue. And I'm like, no, I don't. I didn't want to hear I had this issue. I didn't understand this issue. But deep down, I knew I had this issue. And one of my best friends, Amy, when we were in college, we had an argument and I started to walk away. Like, that was my thing. She, we were having something. I cared about her like I cared about boyfriend because she was my close, close friend. And so it was like very important to me that friendship. And she was mad at me about something and very like stronger than I am about expressing that and was telling me. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to leave. I literally started to walk away. And she's like, are you walking away? I'm like, yes. But then I told mm -hmm. her if I stay, I don't know what to do. And it was the first time I admitted, like, if I stand here, I don't know how to handle it. You know what I mean? I don't know how I, to I do know because for a long, long time, and I think even in up until I had Becker probably and Becker and I is when his teenage years would get into, you know, yelling matches and I didn't understand or I had good friends actually. Like Anne yeah. Marie was a good yeah. I saying people's names. You know, <laughs> friends that I would have that like the friendships would stay intact, but it it was years that it took me to understand like, oh, you can fight. You can disagree yes. and it doesn't mean that's the end of the relationship because that's always how I'd be like, well, I guess it's over. Guess it's over. It's done. You know, <laughs> the friendship's done. The relationship's over. Yeah. They're out the door. I mean, you and I, we've been through a lot because we owned a business together and look at, we've really just kind of understood each other. Like, you know what? I love you. You love me. That's okay. We can come to a different thing. And it's taken us a long time as people. I don't think 20 years ago, we'd still be friends. No, you did say something things. that was kind of another life changing moment for me. You said, assume that people are coming from a good place, you know, and that was Aww. like, and me as an, from my adoption and then intervening circumstances, 
of the way my life went that I was coming always from a defensive place. Like mm, never, me too. I, always from a defensive place. It's like having your dukes up all the time. You know, yeah, it's, a little bit of a fighter. Yeah. You got or the just gloves like, on. Keep right. away, you know. You're not you know, and I and I love that I helped you with that because that was given to me actually. You know, when I, <laughs> I went off to like a a thing, an imago therapy thing or something, I experimented with once, and they they said assume when you're talking to someone that if you care about them and you've had intimacy or friendship that they're coming with good heart towards you, and it, it made me look at people different, like okay, why would they be out to hurt me? They shouldn't be out there, you know, because I used to be like that too. I mean, I still am like that. I just work on it. Yeah, it's always <laughs> We're gonna evolving, be working on it. you know, it's always going to one step forward, two steps back. One, that's just the process of trying to be a self-aware. It is. For human on people. the planet. And then I feel like for all people, not just a little, not just us chosen adoptees. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like we got a little more sand dumped in the bucket, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. What else struck you? And I mean, we'll go back to the chapter. What else didn't start? Well, here's you? <laughs> exactly what we were talking about. There's a tendency to push for rejection, even though this is the opposite of what they want. Yes. You don't um, want it. You don't want them to leave, but you say, but you push okay, them away. Fine, leave me. Yeah. Or you, or you find ways to sabotage, um, yes. or that you'll get superficially close, but never really let them get to know you. I've um, yes. Oh, here's one other thing yeah. that really struck out was staying in destructive relationships because it's what you feel you deserve, yes. you know? So I stayed in bad, bad relationships. Yeah. That, There's always um, the fear that even if it's bad, like for me, I never really had a bad, bad relationship. I had trusting relationships are not on the level relationships. And, and I felt like if I leave, I mean, the known was better than the unknown, you know, because if I can't make this and I can't make something else, that's that self-worth thing. If I can't make this yeah. happen, it's like, I would just be beholden to someone if they love me, you know what I mean? Like stay with me, you know, and, but yeah. you push them away. But when they leave, you're shocked. And then <laughs> yeah. this is the cycle. I mean, there was so many wake up calls in my forties. I think really we're in our fifties now we can say that, but in my forties, just every year I'd have like, wow, why didn't I know this when I was 18 or 19, you know, which I'm sure most people say, but really an intimacy thing in relationship. I think it, it's, you're ahead of me. I think it's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm still like working <laughs> on that stuff. But you know, yeah, well, who what, is what can you say everything? It's, there's always something new. So another part that in chapter seven, that got me sort of thinking, and I think I've mentioned it in my story and different times, and you've mentioned it as well was the loyalty thing. So you have this, regardless of rejection issues, you have intimacy issues and loyalty issues, like you'll be so loyal to a fall. And then you'll also I was glad it got into this. It got into the loyalty between like your birth mother and your mother. Like my yes. mom's my mom. And I never even really wanted to say the word birth mother, even that, because I was like, no, my mom's my mom. Like there was a book someone gave my mom. I do remember this that had the two moms and someone, and she read it to me. So I'd understand adoption. I remember thinking, I don't want to, I just have my mom. Right. It was yeah. like this thing. And it took a long time as you get older to go, okay, I am loyal and loving if I want to explore this and find out two things. But it still goes down to intimacy. There's still like this has to do with trust, intimacy, abandonment. Even that loyalty thing is looped in. Yeah. Which I just thought was interesting that it gets yeah. in there. 
one thing that I was not true for me, or maybe it had been true earlier, but like was about not being intimate with women, obviously not physically in this scenario. But when I was like late teens and I went into NA in Miami, um, I mean, it was the eighties, it was Miami. You can do the math. My and my and my my drug dealer shoved an NA book under my door, and I was like, "Okay, maybe I should check this out." But there, I got so close to to a bunch of women that it really made you know. Now I have an abundance of really close relationships with women, and they don't scare me. And it's not no, it's interesting. You and I both have really close relationships with women, and. And it didn't see, it was different for me. When I was younger, my close relationships were with men. So I was close to my father. I was close to my mom, but I was close to all, well, in part of its neighborhood, but I grew up with a lot of boys in the neighborhood, but I was a tomboy. All my friends are boys. It took me a long time to have intimacy with women all the way, maybe till high school. I had a few close friends that were girls growing up, but even then I was scared of them. They seemed to know more, understand more, like a deeper thing than I did. They'll laugh hearing this, but now I feel like I do have these close relationships with women and thank God for the women in our lives. I mean, thank God for you. Thank God for my friends, family that are women. It's like, that is the one area I feel really strong in that I am a good friend and it, and I yeah. have no trust issues in there. I know why they're my friend. I don't push them away. I can speak. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't have that. Yeah. I didn't have that. I didn't, I only look for relationships with, guys because it was easy. easy they didn't want exactly. intimacy they didn't want intimacy they wanted to play sports talk football i could joke around and be funny yeah older brother to banter that off of with his friends so it was easy for me but it took a long time to learn how to be friends with women i guess so i sort of did have that issue but i think it, I, it's interesting you brought it up because yeah that's where I you feel safest i do yeah even now i don't necessarily it takes me some time did you have any relation to this line? Separating seems to be an even greater problem than attaching. Once a relationship is established, many adoptees do not want to separate, even when the relationship proves unsatisfactory. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There you go. Years of, years of counseling. <laughs> yes, because attaching is a whole thing. Okay. Do I trust? Yeah. I got to get in there. I have to be close to someone. That's a whole thing. If you get to that and then the separation part, it's like, it almost made me crazy when I was younger. I would get crazy about it. I wish I could go back. It's like AA. I haven't been in AA, but I've had friends that are in AA. And I feel like I have a list of apologies I want to make. Call up and be like, you know what? I'm sorry. I was so horrible. I'm just figuring (laughs) out why. (laughs) Just send them a link to the podcast. (laughs) I almost hope they listen because you think, God, I didn't mean to, I mean, you're a young man. I didn't mean to like wreck your world, but I didn't know. And so, yeah. How do you feel about that? (laughs) Yeah. I think about the times that I, when I was younger and I did get really close or then there were men that would pursue, 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 break down my walls, break down my walls and then disappear. You know, like once they got, then that would be devastating to me. Like that I finally... That's worse. Opened you up and they, con- they confirmed my worst nightmares. Oh yeah. So. oh, yeah. There was like girls in high school or girls college age or just or in your 20s. They get hurt and they'd be like, well, dude, 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 that guy yeah. is out. Of- I'd be like, oh, like, I can't breathe. And why did you leave me? And they're like, why are you so upset about that? You know what I mean? But I couldn't. It was that being left. It's, yeah. It doesn't matter who leaves you. They left you. 
That's yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think in summary, I thought this was interesting. The very last line of the chapter, oh, yes. the child feels guilty for having been born. Yes. That's a heavy, that's heavy. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Do you feel, how I, do you feel I, about that? I highlighted it and I'm not sure why yeah. I did. No, it struck me. It's I was something like, to ruminate it. on, I think. I think so. And I think different people with different adoption experiences will have stronger feelings of that line. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if I felt guilty. I feel like when I let people down, I had that guilt. If I let them down, they must be disappointed they picked me. You know what I mean? They could have had such a better kid that didn't do whatever I was doing. So it's like I had that and that might be part of that. And I can imagine depending on people's situations, that could get really yeah, heavy. I mean, she really digs into stuff here. Nancy. She does. I can't <laughs> wait until she's hopefully on our, I'm not going to say hopefully, I'm going to manifest. Yeah, we're going to manifest. going to be on our podcast. Exactly. Yep, I think um, so. So that ends chapter seven, chapter eight. It will be an interesting one too. (laughs) It sure will. (laughs) Please tune in. Please tune in. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Louise and I talked about it for months and we were intimidated until we heard about Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is hands down the best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple, Spotify, Google, and more. Podcasting isn't hard. Believe me, if Louise and I could figure it out, anyone can. We got a mic, some headphones, parked ourselves in our closets, and that was it. Buzzsprout did the rest. You get a great looking podcast website and you can track all of your analytics to see how your podcast is doing. So if you follow the link in our show notes, it lets Buzzsprout know we sent you and you get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. And bonus, you help support our show. Here we are really excited for today's guests. I say that with a plural. This is a different adoption story than we've had so far, but I'll let them tell the story. It's two sisters who I met randomly and separately in the dog park near my house. So no further ado, I'm going to introduce Laura and Maddie Lillis. Yay. Welcome, girls. Thank you. We're excited. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Um, I just, as I was saying, it was so random. And then I told Louise, at any rate, we'll let, I'll, I'll let you tell your story. Start off with what is your connection to adoption? Okay. Well, so our mom was adopted um, when she was five years old and she was adopted with her brother. And then, you know, our mom met our dad <laughs> and they had me and then my sister, Laura, and our other sister, Abby. And then shortly after Abby was born, our mom actually left. And although we do not have a relationship with her, we do have a very close relationship with her adoptive parents. Um, our grandpa passed away, but we're still very close with our grandma. So that's super kind of, tight. Yeah, <laughs> we're besties. So that's kind of how that started. And there's other layers too, but that's our primary connection to adoption is our mom. Our mom was adopted. Did you have a question, Louise? I saw you. Well, I was going to say, and, and so did you end up when your mom left, who ended up raising you then? Was that your grandmother? Our dad. Oh, your dad. Okay. Dad raised us. Okay. Yeah. So this is where it gets kind of like, it's 
Uh, I think that our grandparents wanted to play a stronger role in our lives, but I don't know. We're not sure where the power struggle kind of came from, but growing up, there was kind of a power struggle between our dad and our grandma. I think just different philosophies for raising kids, basically. And so our grandma, again, I I think not because of her choice, she wasn't as involved in our lives until I went to college and she went to college. And then we went to college pretty close to grandma's house. So we started getting weekly dinners and she became a huge part of our lives after that. And do you know a lot of your adoption story about your mom from your grandma? Yeah. Yeah. Some pieces from dad, but a lot from grandma. Quickly, you had said that she was adopted with her brother. Were they were they biological siblings and then they were adopted mm-hmm. together? So yeah. did you know your uncle? Yeah. So that's kind of a, we met him once or twice over the years. He was actually in and out of prison. So we don't really know him. Our family tried to keep us at an arm's length of him. So our grandma did tell us a lot about um, growing up, the kind of behavioral stuff that our mom and her brother had. And I have listened to your other episodes. And so there were a lot of things that it was cool for me to hear because, of course, we have questions that um, we've never been able to get answered because we don't have contact with our mom. It was cool to hear a lot of the mother wound and the abandonment stuff that I'm sure our mom and her brother both felt. And so by the time they were adopted, our mom was five and her brother was three they had already had all these wounds and it manifested in a lot of different behavioral challenges for our grandparents. And so, yeah, it was a, I know their childhood was, I'm sure tough for them. Yeah. When you said he was in and out of prison, I was thinking, well, that's interesting because of things Sarah and I have discussed on the other episodes and even your mom leaving maybe with, you know, no one teaches you how to do this stuff. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And then what also made what popped into my head too is that then now that legacy continues with her leaving the three of you. Yeah. Obviously, Maddie, you had a little more time with her, but your youngest sister, how old was she? Six months. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She was born with special needs. Abby has um, cerebral palsy. So I'm not sure if the pressure of that kind of triggered our mom in any way. I also think it's notable to talk about our mom's mom, our mom's biological mom, if you want to share. Yes, yes. So our our grandma and grandpa raised our mom. We call them grandma and grandpa. But when mom had 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 Maddie for a couple months, decided she wanted to find out her biological parents. And the only person that knew any of that was our grandma. And our grandma said, well, it's her decision, of course. And so she guided the, our mom to find her birth mom. Her birth mom had a lot of substance abuse, a lot of issues with that. And basically it was, it was very hard to find her because there was a lot of places that she could have been and could not have been. And they ultimately found her and she was really, really, really sick. Just, I assume the substance catching up to her. And our mom decided to have some sort of relationship with her biological mom and then met the rest of the family. 
through the biological mom. We, we actually ended up meeting them as well. So we, we don't have a running relationship with them, but we did meet our biological grandma, our biological grandpa, and then they actually adopted several kids. Oh, well, wow. okay. So he remarried, <laughs> biological grandpa remarried, and they adopted several kids. Oh, that's but I've lived without meeting them. So (laughs) (laughs) that now. (laughs) Yeah. It's so convoluted, isn't it? How so complicated. There's so many (laughs) layers on layers, and yes. And we did, it's not that she just left and we never talked to her again. Our dad was very, very in love with her and would try to talk to her over the years. So I like remember when I was like between seven and 10, having some sort of phone relationship with her, but she really didn't want to be a part of our lives. Wow. Yeah. You seem so, both of you are so bright and happy and smiley. And I mean, but there, you know, that, that must've been a wound. Are you, do have you felt that wound? Do you, I mean, did you grow up feeling sad and. Yeah. Tell us your story a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) We have different perspectives perspectives and different feelings about it. Uh, mine is more like frustration and anger mm. and Maddie's is more like deeply rooted abandonment sadness. that, that yeah. we, mm-hmm. we talked about um, your previous episodes and um, there were so many things that I resonated with. Uh, obviously I wasn't adopted. So I was like, how much do we share? What do we share? But there was so much just with the abandonment wound and the like mother, abandonment stuff that I was like, wow, I really resonate with that. And hers is, I think, more of a core, like motherless feeling. Mm. And mine was like, I had a mom, but then I didn't anymore kind of thing. Yeah. You're really, you're suffering the same. I mean, it's really, it's just passed down. I mean, it's generational trauma, no doubt. (laughs) Yeah, it it really is. I mean, it's very, it's, it's very tied together. That's fascinating. And that you have two different experiences and that you can talk about them. That's interesting too. Yeah. We didn't so, until we were quite a bit older until probably like a year or two ago, we were able to openly talk about not just the trauma of our mom leaving, but other traumas we experienced in our childhood. And now we have a very open relationship about it. I think that's what also facilitated the growth of our relationship with our grandma once we started asking a little bit more pointed questions and grandma started opening up, we were gaining so much insight and it really helped our relationship with our grandma go from, you guys talked about it, attachment and bond. Mm-hmm. We were definitely like attached to grandma. We, we loved grandma, but now we are deeply, deeply bonded with grandma and we feel she's, she's, it's hard to say that she's, a maternal figure because she wasn't really involved necessarily in our upbringing, but she does feel that way now. Like grandma's who we turn to when we need like motherly love. And this must make her so happy. I mean, it does. I think it It does. does. And that makes us so happy. (laughs) Is, is, Is she in touch with your mom? No, she basically said our mom had reached out to her specifically for financial stability Mm-hmm. And our grandma said, I will give this to you if you build a relationship with your children. And she never heard from her again. And the craziest part about this whole little situation, and this is actually quite interesting, and we have mixed feelings about it too, is that 
we actually know exactly where she is and what she's doing. Our mom, she Social has, media. she has a family. Wow. Um, she had other kids, her step, no, no step, oh. stepchildren, her stepchildren posted about her for mother's day and how wonderful <gasps> she is. And oh. on top of it, when, so our mom had me when she was 24 and she had a son who she placed for adoption when she was 19. So we also have a half brother out there somewhere. That's what I was going to ask you. Cause you sent us a little bit about this and I'm thinking, are you going to look for your half brother? She doesn't want to. She does though. So, but I'll <laughs> respect that she doesn't want to. Yeah. So what, he could have his whole life and he might not know about us that's and that's not why. fair to him. If yeah. we just bombard um, him like, Hey, we're you have sisters. this many siblings. Yeah. <laughs> so he's how much older than you, Maddie? So if she had me when she was 24, uh, five years older than me, five or six years. So she was young, young. She was like, either 18 or 19. Yeah, yeah. She was young. And and she put him up for adoption. Yes. Yeah, she, so he may not, he may not even know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she, also it's often boys develop later and start thinking about that later than, than we do. Like I was thinking yeah. about it all through my twenties looking, you know, who am I? Where am I? Fr- my brother, it took him a lot longer to mm. come to that conclusion. So he, maybe that also spoken about feeling like loyalty to your family. And yes. I can only just, I think it's the empathy that I have for this boy and his family that keeps me from wanting to reach out in any way. I just, I don't know that this is a can of worms that he necessarily and vice versa, you know, yes. like we are doing okay. And I just <laughs> don't want to stir the pot. <laughs> yeah. Are you on ancestry or 23 and me or anything like that? No. Well, because that 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 is the can of worms. (laughs) That would be where you'd find out if he if he was looking for you, that might be how he would be doing it. I have a feeling we will eventually. I have a feeling we won't. Really? Yeah. We Maddie and I have worked so hard to have stability in our life between each other that it doesn't seem like we'll ever try to trouble the waters. You know, and if he reaches out, we would open him. Oh, welcome. Like, yeah. But I, I doubt he will because I doubt he'll ever be able to find our mom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just don't think we'll find her. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. What if he doesn't know too? What or, if he doesn't know? I mean, I've been through ruining that. his life. Not, it's not ruining yeah. his life, but yeah, we recognize that we're awesome, but <laughs> yeah, just like, um, you know, we recognize that too. We do too. <laughs> Feelings mutual. We think you are awesome. (laughs) So that would put him in his late twenties. Then how? I don't know how old you guys are. Were you born in the nineties? Yeah, I'm twenty five, and I'm twenty three. So yeah. Oh, you're my son's age. I was gonna say Sarah and I both have twenty three year olds. (laughs) I'm single. All right. (laughs) Mine is single. Hers is not. Ah. (laughs) In the wrong state. (laughs) he's in texas did your dad get remarried no so you had a you had your single dad raising you yes and our grandparents um i talked about this a little bit in like our intro but the one thing that oh there's actually a huge piece that we didn't address our grandparents have always supported us financially it was really hard for our dad to 
have three girls working full time, plus our sister having special needs. And um, so our grandparents were hugely involved in our um, financial stability. And also this is kind of random, but it was hugely impactful to our development. Every summer they'd send us to camp or grandparents Mm -hmm. would just like a couple weeks at a time. Um, And there were a couple of times where we would stay with them while that was happening. Um, And then we always visited them in Florida too, which made us feel a little more normal because if our friends were going on vacations, we also got kind of got a little vacation out of that. So, but otherwise it was totally our dad until I left for college. Wow. Wow. He, he sounds like an incredible guy. I mean, I thought you both mentioned there was some, some stuff, but you kind of came through that Some stuff, but we are very grateful. He sacrificed a lot to, to raise the three of us. So. You were raised in St. Louis area, I, yeah. area Belleville, yeah. Illinois. It's just across the river. So we claim St. Louis. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My mom's from St. Louis. I have a whole. Oh family. really? Yep. Got the Where'd whole she go to high school? Kirkwood. Kirkwood. Hi. Oh, I love Kirkwood. <laughs> love Kirkwood. We went to undergrad in Chesterfield. So we oh, yeah, sure. only claim St. Louis now. I love that. <laughs> My cousins um, don't like that when they hear that. And your are your your grandparents are in Florida, you said? So our grandpa passed away in 24 when did I start college? 15? 2015. They have our whole lives spent like half the year in Florida and half the year in St. Louis. I guess it was 2014. 20, I think it was my freshman year of college, yeah. December. That, that's a very St. Louis thing because my grandparents, my grandma, my on my mom's side lives in St. Louis, lived in St. Louis, and they spent half the year in Florida, half the year. Yeah. And all their friends did. Snowbird, all of them. Or they Snowbird, call themselves yeah. something, but yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. You said that it was about a that you didn't really talk about this stuff until a year or two ago. What triggered this to that came about to bring all these to, because for to hear you guys talk, you heard in my, in my interview that I, you know, knew something was wrong and went to therapy at 20, but it still took many, many years to like mm-hmm. connect the dots and all that. You guys sound so yes. mature and enlightened. Very for your age. And I'm just wondering. It's false. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're doing great at portraying that. (laughs) Um, I think we actually, we started living together and we started addressing just like traumatic things that have happened to us in general. We lived together apart from our childhood home. Like we obviously grew up together, but then I moved out. And once we became roommates again, yeah, we started talking about stuff that we'd never really talked about we had influence from our dad and everybody else's perspectives. I think we wrote yeah. a bond over mm-hmm. just our perspectives. Yeah. Because you didn't know each other's perspectives. I mean, you live in the same, I, I think, you know, when my brothers and I talk, we have, it's similar, like we had our own trauma. So when we talk about stuff, it's like our memories are different sometimes or yeah. the way we experience yeah. things. And it's also subjective. So when you really start comparing notes, it's interesting. Well, we, we talk openly like about our mom and, you know, our grandma has things to say and our dad has things to say. And it was like, interesting to be like, oh, well, dad said this about mom. And I was like, oh, I thought he said this about mom. And, Mm -hmm. or like our grandma, like our dad has a very, very sour taste in his mouth about our mom. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's jaded, totally jaded by the whole situation. Yeah. And our grandma tends to, I mean, she comes from like, I guess a disappointed perspective of like, I put so much work into this and we loved her and him no matter Your what uncle. kind of thing. Yeah. 
So she comes more of like an objective perspective and our dad comes more at like an she's nutty. Yeah. Perspective. And I, I put air quotes around that because I think that she is sick, you know, do you think there's mental, do you think, so Maddie, you remember more growing up with her. Did she feel, and this is going to be very difficult for you to answer because you were so young, you don't, you know, so it's probably maybe a pointless question, but if you can look back knowing what you know now, did you feel like she was a connected mother? So most of my first memories are of my mom and like bonding with my mom. I can remember her and my dad fighting a lot. And I know that their relationship was really tumultuous. Again, he has his own demons too. So I think it was just like not a great fit. (laughs) Yeah, I think that, and just based on things that our grandma has told us about our mom, I think that mom and her brother probably should have been receiving therapy from the jump. Mm. They've always had, they've needed support. You know, you, they were in foster care for my mom was five when she was adopted. I'm confident there was abuse somewhere in there from the home, the biological home we visited. It was not livable conditions. No, it was, there's so much trauma there. There's so, so much trauma. And I think that when they were adopted, our grandparents our grandpa was, and our grandma is just incredible, incredible people. I don't necessarily know that they were equipped for all of the trauma that these kiddos had, you yeah. know? And so I don't think they, that they got the support that they probably needed, not by any fault of our grandparents, just they weren't, they weren't necessarily educated in that aspect of things. Very few people were especially. Right. Cause what, yeah. how old is, how old is your mom? She was five when she was adopted. She is uh, 46 now. Uh, yeah. 45? So around the same, I mean. Around like our set, timeline. Yeah. Born in the 70s, yeah. early yeah. 70s. It's like they didn't tackle it, these issues. They did not tackle at all. Oh, they yeah. just hand the baby over. And, <laughs> and that narrative that we're trying to talk about in this podcast is, you know, it isn't this pretty box wrapped up with bows. Like, oh, you know, you adopted, you're grateful move on, forget all the rest. You know, it isn't like that. So, and it certainly wasn't like that then. And like Maddie wants to, like, you guys will ask her, like, were there any things that made you think that she was sick? And our mom was diagnosed bipolar when she was like 17 or 18. Um, She was admitted actually for a while. She was released. And then she met my dad somewhere along the line. But there are things in our childhood that Maddie would be like, Oh yeah, I forgot. We would go to the gas station and the guy would like talk sexually yes. about her mom. There and were, she would uh, like it. She would like say there are bl- I have blatant memories of our mom like telling me things that I should not have been told or witnessing things that I should not have been seeing that I'm sure she thought were totally normal if she were having like a manic episode or something like that. So mm-hmm. wow. Wow, so much yeah. to unpack, huh? I know. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> we're in therapy. How much? How much are we supposed to talk about? I don't know. <laughs> it's really, it's really your call. Whatever you want to talk about. I just, you know, our goal with this podcast has always been to just tell all adoption stories. All anybody stories. who has a connection to it, and and how that the generational trauma, that wound. You know, in my case, with my birth mother was adopted, then mm-hmm. I was adopted, then you know, and then. There was so much trauma after that. And, you know, it's just, it's about hearing everybody's story who has a connection to this, that 
Yeah, because it, it does is. affect generationally down. I mean, it, it is your mother wasn't equipped probably to be a mother. I mean, Definitely. even if she had your loving grandparents, I mean, coming without any help and coming in at five with abuse. And now that we know so much, right, what she's right. probably suffered, you can look at her in an empathetic way in that way and think, wow. I think that now we, I mean, like I said, I approach it with anger, but I actually feel really bad. Yeah. That's, I think our biggest, we feel it's devastating to think about, especially, so I'm a speech pathologist and she is in grad school for audiology and wants to work with kids. Oh, that's interesting. So being around kids this age, it honestly kills me thinking about little babies who really just needed some support and then didn't get it. Yeah. If you can see them as the children, they were your uncle and your mom and what they went through and your, and then your loving grandparents bringing them in, not equipped for it, giving them all the love in the world, but you can't heal some things like that. Mm -hmm. When you just said uncle, I was like, who are you talking about? You don't know them like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sometimes like a foreign term. Cause me and Maddie, mm-hmm. when people would ask like, where's your mom? And I know this sounds horrible, but I'd be like, Oh, she died. And that's people, totally like, understandable. People at a bar would be like, Oh, tell, tell me about you. Blah, blah, blah. What, what about your mom? I'll say something about my dad. What about your mom? And we'll, I'll joke. We just kind of deflect. And yes. that's our way of coping, you know? Yeah. So but it is interesting. Up, I like, what? <laughs> I had never thought about it literally until you said it, um, Louise a second ago about it's kind of, a similar wound. I never really thought about how my mom's mom left her. And then my mom not only had that abandonment wound, but then just like the confusion of that comes along with being adopted and maybe not feeling like she fit in. And she really did just kind of pass that along, which is so interesting. Yeah. Sorry. That was, and it it will break. It is your generation. You're going to not have this because you are doing this work and if you're mothers, if you choose to be mothers or you're not going to have this problem because of look how healthy you two are approaching everything, but your mom didn't have that. And she had mental illness. And I mean, just the things that go, it's a lot of dice there psh, to roll. <laughs> you know, and I, I wanted to, I, I was thinking as you were saying, well, you know, you know, like she has stepchildren, you, they posted her on Facebook on mother's day. Yeah, that's interesting. I would venture to guess that she has so much guilt and shame for yes. leaving you that that, you know, might be a reason why she just can't talk to you. You know, we think the opposite. Sometimes we're like, are we just that insignificant kind of, which of course that's our, that we're wounded. So we're like, wow. Oh, I have that, that that same feeling insignificant. And I'm, you know, yes. This past day was hard for some reason. Usually we do. Okay. But this past Mother's Day was really, really tough. And it took everything in my body not to message her or her new family and be like, hello. Yeah. Yes. I'm the oldest. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what? Your wife's a liar. <laughs> but you know what? I took I took I took comfort in the fact that if she is stable and making these people feel loved then that brings me at least some peace. I would much rather her be, you know, that's very mature <laughs> being an, a loving, yeah. a loving mom figure. I'm so glad that she can be that for these kids, you know, and it, my, my own sadness is my own thing. And I would never project that on. A I, I, re- I went right to where Sarah went and thinking, because we have been mothers and we're older than you thinking, Oh, she's got, she's got so much shame and guilt. Yeah. She can't deal with you. 
because I can see your point of view. Of course, you're insignificant and how painful. I mean, very how painful I can't even imagine. And but from her point of view, I'm thinking just even the things, the mistakes we've made in motherhood. It's well, like and you, also I, oh. I, my, okay. So my mom left, you know, my, my yes. adopted mom. Um, and I know she's going to be listening to this episode and I grew up thinking, oh, she didn't care. Or I'm insignificant or, you know, she got remarried and moved off to Florida and, you know, all the stuff that I told myself. And now, now, you know, I've heard from her that that was up. She thought we were off living this okay life and didn't need to be in, you know, that, that, we were perfectly happy and had forgotten about her. So mm. I'm kind of speaking from what I know that she feels mm-hmm. and what, what Interesting perspective for sure. Yeah. There's yeah. all kinds of layers, the conditions she left us in. It was very clear what she left us in. And like, I think that that's because she probably, you're like you said, your adopted mom was like, Oh, they're, they're probably doing great and fine. Our mom knew what she left us in. Yeah. So I think, I think it's also very clear that our wounds have manifested in different ways, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is why we have a good dynamic. She's got all the backbone. Well, but Sarah and I, I have the same dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I can, I, I'm just going to throw this out there that if you need a loving local mom, I'd be Aww. happy to have you guys over for dinner. And when and, she said that she ran into you, I was like, you know, it would be I really nice to have just like a mentor, somebody <laughs> that like understands and empathizes. And so I was like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I will invite you guys over or we that sounds it. like a great Our plan. Season. And when I visit Sarah, we're all going out and see. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know that um, Maddie was talking to me earlier about your podcast and how like there's this discomfort around birthdays. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I, there was another, there was something that you had said, like an event that like, maybe I'm thinking of something else, but we both have like felt this unreal discomfort around our birthdays and I always thought it was because, so our mom, when we had the telephone relationship with her, I was, I mean, I was angry with her at that point too. And my dad was like, talk to your mom. Mm-hmm. And so I would take the phone. Maddie would never talk to her. Never. It was Just always different wounds. Totally different wounds. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. we were making statements in different way. Maddie was making a statement of, no, if you care, you'll come here. And I was making a statement of, okay, well, I'm going to quiz you. When's my birthday? And she didn't know my birthday. Oh. oh. And I was like, how do you forget the day you gave birth? Like, that's so significant. Wow. And so I always feel as if I thought I felt the discomfort because of that. But then it's knowing that it's like all these other people are feeling this discomfort and like disappointment. Birthdays, and, I, and I remember you, you saying something about maybe it was, maybe it was your, somebody's, I can't remember who said it, but somebody's child, I think said that they felt a weird almost dysphoria around a certain time of year and they weren't really sure why oh it was a person in the book that we're reading mm-hmm. that, oh, the primal wound yeah yes. I've always felt super dysphoric at the beginning of October and I've and I've made it a point at the beginning of October every October for like seven years like this is going to be a good October <laughs> but no matter what I do my emotions are just I cannot pick myself up um, and our mom left like October 1st when we were little. Oh. So I don't know if I'm carrying that. So I bet you, I'm sure I'm, I heard it. Not a therapist, but I would think, <laughs> I would think so. Yeah. I'm yeah not it's around your birthday and she left. I mean, that's, yeah, you are carrying that. I, 
we just it's so on the great podcast. that you guys have each other and oh. um and you're working through this stuff and you know it's a long process just face it like but but you're starting so young you know a lot of people know. don't you know they hit reach peak you know alcoholism and addiction and or you know <laughs> bad relationship wow. after bad relationship or this and that and then they finally you know pick themselves up at 40 and try to start something you guys are really have a leg up it's really well, that actually has to go to Maddie. Maddie has done literally all the groundwork on like self-growth and like healing basically. But I also know that when I got to grad school and I think Maddie's grad school did this too, you get like free therapy and free psychiatry basically because of the stressors of school. And then when I started like going to this for school, they were like, okay, well then tell me about this. And then you know, oh, all of this is surfaced. That's the first time I went to therapy as well. I was in graduate school. Really? Yeah. I was under a lot of stress and they had a free clinic and I thought, well, I should use that. Yeah. And then it's it drop out way more, <laughs> way more stuff. But we were like, oh. But you found therapy young, Sarah, which is interesting because. Yeah, that's young. She yeah. did. That wasn't the trend when we were that age, you know? No, no, definitely wasn't. I just did a lot of lip service and didn't do the deep work until later, but <laughs> at least I, I mean, I was aware that there was something wrong. It just took a long time to, yeah. I went in. initially trying to do just, I was in a relationship and I was like, do I stay or do I go? Oh, yeah. You just want an answer. And then yeah. <laughs> I cried the whole intake. <laughs> and, and it was like, Oh, I think there's maybe some other things we should probably talk about too. So Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's, I mean, God. this is, this is actually really fascinating because I, I feel like there's, we could spend hours really looking into all the different layers of this and definitely- well, it'll, it'd also be nice to come back yeah, I was and thinking this. revisit with you guys, you know, I don't know, six months from now or what, what wherever we're going to be with the podcast and, and, and maybe yeah. have your grandma, would your grandma ever come on? Oh, she, no. I think she would. <laughs> would she? <laughs> There are things that we try that I specifically try to keep separate from like our dad and my grandma. Yeah. And understandable. Yeah. (laughs) Especially like they have very sour tastes about therapy and anything. I I told my, so this is an overshare, but I was diagnosed with ADHD this year because I was having all these troubles in school and I would like, a. Pro- I can't tell my grandma because I already know that she would say I'm full of shit basically. And my dad would be like, <laughs> that's a good, yeah. that's generational. Yeah. yeah that's the, that's the thing. And our dad would be like, well, don't abuse the drugs. And I'm like, <laughs> really? So there are things that like, I, we will tell you anything that they tell us, but I would prefer not to get them involved. Yeah, of course. Totally fine. I know oh, that that's our, we know, our we know all this, all our biases, but and our grandma's a lovely human being. I think she'd do it, but <laughs> I, don't wanna, I don't even want to do it. Cause then she'll say, well, why are you telling people all of your personal business? They don't oh, for sure. There, there's definitely a divide in, in our trajectory of trying to heal and their trajectory of I've totally compartmentalized this part of my yes. heart. And, I don't and your grandma, your grandma's St. Louis. So I was yeah. just going to say that was very, very Midwestern. My mom, like, my mom passed, but she would, I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast if she was still alive because she'd be more worried about who might hear, not because she wouldn't want me to do the podcast, yes. but who might hear what? Who might hear it? <laughs> we can't write a book because our dad would be effing pissed. 
Yeah. There's no way. Nothing makes me more mad than the term of what happens in the home stays in the home. Yeah. Literally you hiding abuse. Like stop saying that. Do write whatever you want and say whatever you want. It is your life and your voice to get out there and your experiences and whatever it took us a long time to figure this out. Yeah. And what, whatever, that's what stopped me from writing certain things too. And now a podcast is perfect. I was thinking of all of the friends that I have that would love to hear these perspectives or would be great guests that I am of course going to send them your way. But yeah, thank you. We, I love this project and the premise of it. It's awesome. Well, it's been, it's been fascinating. Like even you were talking about siblings, how you have different experiences. My brother was not adopted. He's five years older than me. He's super happy. Sarah and I are doing this podcast for us, but I don't think a, he listens B he doesn't want to be on the show. We've had a few (laughs) listens in Tucson. I've had a few listens, but I will. (laughs) Hi, Will, if you're listening, but you know, it's the same. He's sort of, he's sort of from, you know, my parents in that way of like, you don't need to share. Why are you sharing all this stuff? You know, but he's proud of me, but he's like, why are you sharing all this stuff? Yeah. So it's, there is different. It is, I feel keeping it locked inside and is very unhealthy and damaging. And interesting because my whole life in, at least in regard to adoption specifically, again, our dad's perspective is very jaded. It wasn't until we got out of the house and like, you know, into the world that I had started questioning any of the advice he'd given us, but he essentially always told us, is this too much? My mom says, yeah. told us not to adopt. He told mm-hmm. me not to adopt. Just don't adopt. Cause wow. And he told us that our whole lives, our whole lives. And then now that we're like, so of course we were always, you're interested in adopting. You said actually, that's, and I was never, mm-hmm. I was actually, it was one of my biases. I like t- would try my hardest to almost be even more open to people when I meet them and they say they were adopted because I knew in the back of my mind, I had a guard just because of what our dad had told us. And now that I've been out of the house several years and I've questioned so many of these things and you know, I'm 25 and we've talked about it. I think I would literally like love to adopt. And I think that's possibly where like my getting emotional. Aww. Well, any, any child would be lucky if you adopted them. Very. Honestly, that's, <laughs> I just think it would be really nice. So it would be nice. It's just interesting because it's just, cause so it's, awesome. cause it's not a, it's, it is a beautiful, I had a really great situation. It is a beautiful thing. And you can really, I mean, what you know now too, you'd be so amazing. For a child that there's so many children in amazing mom. You're telling her that because she thinks that she's not gonna be a great mom. You'd be a great mom to literally any sort of gremlin. <laughs> we call we call our dogs gremlins. That's <laughs> yeah. Oh, I am I am so happy to have found you guys. Me I feel too. like good job, Sarah. And <laughs> I'm just I happy have, to know you. I have two surrogate, you know, nieces or something oh, across the street. And I would love to, I mean, I miss my son so much. So it'd be just great to, to yeah. be around you guys. And we'd love that. I think we, part of our like mom abandonment is like, <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> <That sounds awesome>. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you, did, you guys were awesome. Like really great you're going to move a lot of people. Yes. I think this is going to be really moving for people. That's so nice. Yeah, that was so sweet. Thank you. (laughs)
you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. I'll see you soon. Bye. Yes, Bye. please. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening today. And again, make sure to find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Adoption, the Making of Me podcast. And once more, you can find our Patreon page by searching patreon.com adoption colon the making of me. Again, that's patreon.com search adoption colon the making of me. And the most important thing, subscribe, share, and review. That helps us. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>